Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. American Bandwagon Podcast. It is officially the last day of 2021. Can't believe I'm saying that here New Year's Eve, uh, bringing some Bandwagon Podcast talk here to you. Got some bowl games to recap. We got the weekend hoops to recap. There's a lot of going on in the MAC this week, a lot to talk about, a lot to get to. Zach Follador here, joined by fellow hustle belter Zach Vanuenzi. Steve out again with uh, with some uh, some other personal stuff going on. So we got Zach pinch hitting here again this week. Zach, how you doing, man? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, you know, happy to get this started here on this New Year's Eve. Uh, happy New Year's Eve to everyone out there. And be sure you get that whiteout ready uh, for the days after the holiday, you know, after New Year's, when you got that year change, all those yeah. typos and mistakes on all the paperwork out there. So just a little heads up. Yeah, I'll probably be, I'll be writing 2021 on all my checks and everything until probably February 15th or so. And then well, I'll finally, I'll get the banner, you know, mentally I'm still in 2020, <laughs> yeah. you know, so I can't believe we're here at, you know, Eve of 2022, but yeah, totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. But Vansy, let's get into it here, man. It's been a busy couple of weeks in the Mac. We had a pro, uh, excuse me, a conference record, eight teams go to bowl games this year. We've had seven of those happen thus far. We're still waiting on Central Michigan and Boise. They are kicking. If you're listening listening to us here on New Year's Eve, the day this episode comes out, um, that uh, that game is kicking off here today in a couple hours on CBS. Interesting saga there where Central Michigan initially uh, scheduled to go to Tucson for the Barstool Arizona Bowl to take on Boise State. Boise State ends up backing out of that game due to some uh, some roster problems with you know with COVID and injuries and stuff like that. So Washington State was down in El Paso at the Sun Bowl. Miami backed out of the Sun Bowl. They you know they they made that match happen. So Central Michigan now taking on Washington State in the Sun Bowl. A very interesting story there. But Vansy, let's talk a little bit about some of the games that have happened already. So seven of the eight MAC bowl games have taken place. The MAC two and five in these games thus far, not the greatest of showings this year for the MAC in, in, in the bowls. Vansy, couple of disappointing performances. Let's start with last week though, or uh, I, I guess two weeks ago now, two Fridays ago, we had the first uh, the first two games of the bowl season, both included MAC teams. We started down in the Bahamas. Uh, the Bahamas Bowl, Toledo went down to Nassau to take on Middle Tennessee State out of Conference USA. Toledo, a 10-point favorite in this game, Banzi, and Middle Tennessee State uh, pulls out the 31-24 victory. Toledo's offense just seemed to, they, they, they really couldn't get anything going here, Banzi. Had a couple really nice big plays in the second quarter that got them on the board, but outside of that, really no consistency from the Rockets' offense in this one. I know if I was a Toledo fan, this was a game that definitely would have frustrated me. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think that's, it was kind of on par with what you would expect from, I mean, you know, from Jason Candle, it sounds mean to say, but his tenure has been kind of, hey, Toledo's the favorite like they were in this bowl game. And it just doesn't all come together outside of one season. Uh, it was a winnable game. And, you know, it, it just, like you said, didn't come together. Uh, you know, the quarterback Finn was, Flynn was, um, what, 18 of 39 passing, you yeah. know, real, real inefficient. Bryant Kovac, he did his usual thing, had some big plays, uh, you know, a, a nice final stat line, but they just needed more. They, they, you know, not a consistent offense. They couldn't get the stops when they needed to. Um, a very winnable ball game on a nationally televised scale. And, you know, again, it's just kind of that, you know, close, but, but not their, you know, result for Toledo uh, that we've seen in the recent years. Totally agree. And, you know, to, to me, you know, your, your point is well taken about the, the coaching here and, and some of the play calling fancy. And I, that was even something I tweeted out during the game as I was watching. You look at the box score of this game <clears throat> and Toledo offensively, I mean, Daquan Finn, 18 of 39. So he's completing less than half of his passes. You look at the ground game here. 
Brian Kobach, 18 for 126, seven yards a carry. Daquan Finn, 12 for 83, 6.9 yards a carry. You averaged over seven carries, or excuse me, seven yards per carry on the ground in this game. And yet Brian Kobach, it was like they never tried to get him going after, after halftime. It would seem like Brian Kobach would start a drive with a 15-yard run. They'd get a, get a nice first down, get some momentum going. And then they'd throw three straight incompletions and they'd punt the ball back to middle Tennessee. And you know, that was kind of it. And even defensively for Toledo, this is a defensive, you know, this team, one of the best defense, probably the best defense in the Mac this year, one of the two or three best in the Mac. I mean, you're, you know, 17th in the country in pass defense. You're playing a a basically a a third string quarterback in this game, Nick Fatiato. He goes 23 of 35, 270 yards and two touchdowns. Not a great look from the Toledo secondary either in this one, Bandy. No, and, you know, you kind of wonder, you're, you know, you're in the Bahamas. I mean, was it a business trip? Was it a pleasure trip? You know, what team, yeah. you know, took it seriously or didn't? But you, the point you made about Kovac, there's been a few games this year where he's had impressive stat lines, but low carry totals, you know. So it's kind of, you know, why not go more of a workhorse with him, especially in that bowl game, um, you know, down there. And if, just really, I mean, as if you were a Toledo fan, I would think it would be frustrating all the way around you know, play calling performance, you know, I mean, they, if Toledo had gone into that and I, you know, for example, ran the wing T or the triple option, we're probably talking about a different result. You know, the passing game just wasn't, it was a fairly windy day. um, If I recall. So, you know, I'd, I'd set up circumstances down there. Totally agree. And, and, you know, I've seen some articles come out here over the last week or so where, um, you know, it, it seems like the clock is starting to tick a little bit on Jason Candle there at, you know, at Toledo. This is a guy that came in, obviously was the offensive coordinator Matt, under Matt Candle, got promoted, or Matt Candle, Matt Campbell. Whenever Matt Campbell uh, left for the Iowa State job, they promoted him. Won the, uh, won the MAC championship in 2017, mostly with, uh, with Matt Campbell's recruits. And you look at them since then, I mean, Seven and six in 2018, six and six in 2019, four and two in the pandemic short in 2020 season, and then seven and six again last or this year. Been a been a disappointing couple of years for Rockets fans. So it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, I think the heat is going to be on uh, Coach Candle a little bit next year in Northwest Ohio. We'll see what the Rockets are able to do if they're able to bounce back a little bit and get and compete once again for a MAC championship. And, and real quick on that point, you know, you look yeah. at Jason Candle, other than the high water marks that he's had, you know, a couple of years towards the start when it was largely Matt Campbell's players, he's on a comparative track record with Chris Creighton at EMU. Well, uh-huh. now, you, you look at that and, and Chris Creighton, I mean, there's some people in Ypsilanti who would build a statue. But when you look yeah. at long-term Toledo compared to Eastern Michigan, the expectations at Toledo are different. They expect MAC championships. They have some of the best, uh, you know, administrative support funding in the in the conference. Some yeah. of the best facilities. They expect more. And that clock, I think, is definitely ticking. They're getting a new athletic director there. You know, I mean, this summer, who knows what happens moving forward? Probably, you know, not this offseason. But next offseason, he's someone to watch as a potential hot seat coach. Totally agree. And I, I totally agree with what you're saying in terms of the comparison between Toledo and Eastern Michigan. We'll get to Eastern Michigan here in a couple of minutes. I want to talk to you about that, too. Do we uh, have next to? Game, sorry, go ahead. Do we have to? <laughs> yeah, fair. I know. I know. It might be one you want to erase from your memory. I, I get that. Let's move down to Florida here, Vanzi. Also on the 17th kicking off bowl season, we had the 2021 MAC champion Northern Illinois Huskies going down to Orlando for the Cure Bowl, taking on Coastal Carolina out of the Sun Belt. And Vanzi, I got to be honest, this one here might have been one of the most fun bowl games that we've had thus far. Some uh, some questionable officiating back and forth all game. Both teams really played well in this one. Coastal Carolina did end up pulling this one out 47-41. But again, a very back and forth game in this one. Northern Illinois led by eight at one point in the second quarter. They took the lead uh, by eight. They were actually up by eight again in the fourth quarter as well. Uh, couldn't put the game away, though. They were up 41-33 at the start of the fourth. Had some turnovers and some uh, some inconsistencies on offense where Coastal Carolina was able to pull it out 47-41 at the end. But again, Vanzi, I felt like this was one of the most entertaining games, not just of the max slate, but of the entire bowl season. This was a great game to watch. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I think the, the bowl slate as a whole has really gone downhill after some of these first bowl games. 
Uh, but yeah, you look at Northern Illinois, kind of that team of destiny, you know, nobody saw them coming. They won a lot of close games. This felt like a game that they were just going to pull out in, at, at the end. And uh, it was an impressive showing against a good coastal Carolina team. Uh, their quarterbacks, an NFL draft guy, either, you know, down the road or now, I, I believe he's coming back for another year there. Um, but, you know, to be, to have that chance to beat an 11 and two coastal or at that point, a 10 and two coastal Carolina team uh, was very impressive. Rocky Lombardi, uh, you know, and then you got down to the end of the game where they had that weird, you know, spot clock running yeah. ref want to get out of the way. Uh, Northern Illinois, I think everyone, even Coastal Carolina people would agree, should have had another play with the opportunity to win that ball game. It was a very Maction type finish to that game. Um, and who knows what would have happened had they had that one more play. Um, but you know, Northern Illinois, I mean, a dream season and to play in a bowl game, a close bowl game like that, uh, you know, I don't think you can be too disappointed with them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, obviously if you're Northern Illinois, you would have liked to win this game, but still such an unbelievable season for the Huskies that you can't be too upset. You look at a lot, you know, you look at the box score and a lot of the metrics in this game, Vanzi and Northern Illinois, it really just kind of highlights how well they actually did play in this game. You know, Coastal Carolina, a lot of people talk about the Chana Clears and they talk about Grayson McCall and the offense that they have. But I think a thing that gets overlooked with Coastal Carolina a lot is their defense. I mean, this is a team 17th in the country in total defense, only giving up 325 yards per contest, 39th in the country in rushing defense, giving up about 134 yards per game and uh, just a little bit over four yards a carry. Northern Illinois in this game, 55 carries, 335 rushing yards, six yards per rush. 516 yards of total offense Northern Illinois put up on Coastal Carolina. That is the, the highest yardage total that Coastal Carolina has given up all season. I thought Rocky Lombardi looked really good. Obviously, he had that fumble in the fourth quarter that was very unfortunate that allowed Coastal to kind of uh, wrap this thing up. But uh, I thought Lombardi looked great. I thought Jay Ducker looked great. I was happy to see uh, Clint Ratkovich score a touchdown in his last game uh, wearing a Northern Illinois uniform. But, you know, I see, I look at this team, Vanzi, and uh, Lombardi's a junior. He can come back. That entire offensive line, they were all freshmen and sophomores. They can come back. All those running backs, you got Jay Ducker, Harrison Way Lee, other than Clint Ratkovich, everyone's coming back there, Ontario Brown. You're going to have um, Tyrese Ritchie is going to be graduating, but you're still going to have, you know, a, a wide receiver. You're going to have trade on Trayvon Rudolph and a bunch of weapons. I, this Northern Illinois team is not going anywhere. Vansy. I think this is going to be a very, very tough team to beat in the Mac next year. And we talked about Toledo and kind of the support and expectations and the culture there. Well, Northern Illinois, even before Thomas Hammett got there has that culture where they expect to be good. Obviously you look at Jordan Lynch, you know, and in what happened there where they made it to the Orange Bowl, a uh, few teams in, in the modern era have that culture and track record of success like Northern Illinois. And it looked good for the rest of the MAC that they were down for a couple of years. And now they're right back to competing and winning MAC championships. And with all those guys coming back next year, it's going to be another, you know, every time you get them on the schedule, you're going to have to circle it because they're probably going to be the preseason front runner. You yeah. know, who knows what happens with transfers and all that in college football now. But uh, they're probably going to be the front runner in the MAC next year. Totally agree. Yeah, it did not take long for Coach Candle to get that, or Coach Candle, excuse me, Coach Hammock to get that culture reset and kind of build back up. And yeah, uh, in his third year now, having taken the Huskies back to the pinnacle of the MAC. Let's move on, uh, Vansy. I know this is one that you probably, again, tried to erase from your memory a little bit, but uh, looking at last Saturday's bowl games, your Eastern Michigan Eagles went down to the Lending Tree Bowl down in Mobile, Alabama, down to the Bayou, took on Liberty. Things didn't look too bad there for a while, Vansy. Eagles hung around there for a quarter, quarter and a half or so before the wheels kind of fell off there in the, in the second and third quarters. 56 to 20, the final uh, for Liberty over the Eagles in this one. And uh, Vansy, I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit more about it. But uh, just, I don't know, no, no answers really for Malik Willis for, for this one. Three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. Uh, over almost 300 yards of total offense for Willis and, uh, you know, just, you know, turnovers on offense for, for Eastern Michigan, some other things, some ineffectiveness. What was your general impressions of, of the game, uh, the, of the Lending Tree Bowl uh, with the Eagles going down to, to Alabama, taking on Liberty? I would say sadness, sorrow, and heartbreak. <laughs> a, a very good Eastern Michigan team, you know, and it's 
kind of that's the mantra you know lately you know well that's a good team that's a very good team and they just can't get over that hump to win a mac title or to win a bowl game and uh you know our mac trophy you know the loss to central michigan so the way the season ended it has to leave a bad taste loss to central and then loss to liberty but look liberty's a good team you know, I know people yeah. don't want to hear that. They, you know, they want a bowl win in Ypsilanti and they want it fierce. But Liberty Malik Willis, he's going to be, he could be after the combine a top 10 pick. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's a tough draw. Uh, Liberty, Hugh Freeze, well coached team. You can say what you want about them. They started the season hot, then they cooled off. You know, they probably, no offense to Northern Illinois, but they probably, would have been in that Mac title picture with Northern Illinois, you know, if you, you know, put them on the same plate and everything, but, you know, you just kind of, I just kind of thought that Eastern's heart, heart and hustle would kind of keep it a little bit closer. And then they just couldn't do that. And it's been the same problem. I mean, one Juwan Hamilton was out the, the running back. So the ground game was, you know, having a hard time there a little bit, but the defense, I mean, the defense, it's been two, three seasons now where they've had some stops in the red zone, but other than that, they just can't stop the big play and, and uh, just problems like that galore. Um, Eastern's going to return a lot of guys next year. Uh, you know, so you're hopeful there, um, but they do lose some guys on defense. So they got to figure out that defense moving forward. And I think that's the, the next step, um, you know, Liberty, they, they looked like an SEC team playing a big 10 team. They had the speed, they had the size, speed and size. Eastern had heart and hustle and just couldn't get through it. Um, and then just kind of a tough, you know, tough bowl season. I mean, you know, Eastern Michigan, they lose that bowl game. They lose it handedly. Um, <clears throat> Preston Hutchinson, backup quarterback transferring out, Ben Bryant, starting quarterback, now transferring out. Yeah. Then you got Western wins a bowl game. Who knows what Central does in their bowl game, but they move up, you know, and get a, you know, a great spot in the Sun Bowl. You know, it's just tough time to be an Eagle. Yeah, I hear you, man. And, you know, I, I think your your comparison you made about it, it's felt like watching an SEC versus a Big Ten matchup. I think that's a very good comparison because I think when you look at the the times in this game, whenever Eastern Michigan had success, you look at, you know, in the first half, first drive of the game, you know, Eastern Michigan gets the opening kickoff, 14 plays, 66 yards, you get a field goal that drive, kind of established the run a little bit there. Then, you know, later uh, in the second quarter, you know, 10 plays, 75 yards, you score a touchdown there. So I think whenever Eastern Michigan was able to have those long drives and weren't, you know, getting in their own way, you know, getting behind the chains, allowing sacks or, you know, negative plays, I think that's where Eastern Michigan had success in this game. I think the point in this game, even just looking at the drive chart and, you know, from watching it live too, this game kind of got away from Eastern Michigan, as I mentioned a couple minutes ago, in, you know, in the second quarter, you know, they throw that, that pick six to, you know, Liberty goes up 13-3. Eastern Michigan comes right back, though, and answers with a touchdown of their own, make it 13-10. But then, you know, you have, uh, you have the, the, the fumble after that. Then, Easter, uh, then Liberty scores another touchdown. Then you go for it. You know, you cross the 50 on that next drive, go forward on fourth down, don't pick it up. Liberty scores again. So you had like three straight drives there where, you know, fumble, turnover on downs, uh, pick six. Uh, those, you know, three drives out of four there where you kind of just handed Liberty the ball. And that's kind of where the separation in this game happened. I did want to ask you, Vanzi, two questions as it pertains to Eastern Michigan. Um, saw some swirls. Uh, on Twitter of some, you know, Eastern Michigan folks a little bit upset with the current coaching staff there. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, really wanting a bowl victory. I'd love to get your thoughts on that because to me, it seems like regardless of the success of the lack of success in bowl games, Chris Creighton still done a phenomenal program uh, job there at Eastern Michigan, raising that pro, the, you know, the floor there from, you know, two wins to, you know, five or six. Also though, uh, I don't think we've had a situation under Chris Creighton like we have now, or like you have now with both Ben Bryant and Preston Hutchison, both going into the transfer portal. How do you see the QB situation playing out here? Yeah. And I'm going to try not to get too long winded here. And uh, you know, as a college football fan in general, I disvalue bowl games. I, I don't, you know, yeah, it is yeah. what it is, you know, but when you're a max school or, or a group of five, the bowl games matter. And, you know, at some point you got to get over that hump. I, you know, and, and I 
But I think when you look at EMU for years, they said, nobody can win there. You can't win. You can't, you can't even get to a bowl game. So now Eastern Michigan is one of the more consistent Mac schools, you know, Eastern Michigan, Toledo, they've been fairly similar in recent years, you know? And so you look at that and now that expectation has changed. The expectations have increased. And now the expectation is, well, we got to win a bowl game. We got to win a bowl game. The, the concern has to be, is the ceiling in Ypsilanti seven wins, six, seven wins and a bowl loss, you know, and it just feels like you need to take that next step. But for so long, they said, oh, I can't, you can't even win games there. Now it's like, well, when are you going to win more than six or seven? It was a very, you know, parody shaping year in the Mac. So I don't think they're off track there. The preseason expectations for EMU were struggling to make a bowl game and they made a bowl game rather easily with seven wins. Um, you know, I, I just think people need to be careful what they wish for. Some people getting a little grumbly about Coach Cray and they don't represent the EMU fan base. Uh, you know, they're people who, you know, they want that instant gratification. They, they probably, yeah. you know, they probably get their Taco Bell delivered. You know, <laughs> you know they, they're used to Jimmy John's having it right then and there. Um, you know, these things take time. And I think if you have a, have a problem with coach Creighton, you're not a real EMU fan because he's done great work. And I think, you know, I mean, I would sign up for him being there the next 20 years because at yeah. some point it is going to break through, but it, it wasn't off track with the expectations this year. And uh, you know, you only get one bowl game a year and Liberty was a tough draw and, and we'll leave it at that. Um, you know, and then the quarterback thing, I think it's important to note that players can enter the portal and come back. Um, you know, they, they can still return to EMU. I don't know how much of Preston Hutchinson transferring was based off of the fact that he's backing up Ben Bryant. Um, you know, maybe yeah. that piques his interest in coming back. Maybe the coaching staff has a plan. It's obviously disappointing because I thought Ben Bryant coming back put Eastern Michigan kind of in that mark as a title contender and probably an all-Mac first or second team quarterback going into next year, um, you know, but I think you're seeing that shift in college football where players want the chance to transfer up and play at a high level. You play well at the Mac. Jaden Reed at Western Michigan, who mm -hmm. played for Michigan State last night, is a great example. Um, one thing to keep an eye on, I've heard that uh, Bryant might look to return to Cincinnati. Desmond Ritter's graduating, going to be in the yeah. NFL next year. Does he go back? He knows the offense. You'd have to compete with Evan Prater down there, but something to keep an eye on there. Yeah, I thought that that thought crossed my mind as well. I think all the points you make are well taken there, Vanzi. I think, um, you know, I, I don't know. When it comes to Chris Creighton, that just that the, the, the criticisms of him just seem so wild to me. I, and I'll agree with you. You know, it's those, those damn millennials nowadays. They don't mind paying for the Uber Eats fee to get their Taco Bell, like you said, you know? So it's, it's yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, kind of that instant gratification. But man, I think back to when I was in high school and middle school started and I started following the Mac and it was like, Eastern Michigan was winning maybe two games a season. And now I see them competing for bowl games, winning six, seven games a year, competing for Mac championships deep into the season. I don't think you can throw that away if you're an Eastern Michigan fan. I'll also be curious to see what happens with Preston Hutchinson now that Ben Bryant has chosen to leave. Wonder if uh, Hutchinson might uh, choose to stick around and reclaim his uh, his starting spot there next year. Let's move on to our next bowl game here, Vanzi. Heading up to the blue turf in Boise. Kent State uh, went up to uh, their, for their first per, uh, per, first appearance, excuse me, in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Did not go too well for them. Taking on Wyoming out of the Mountain West, the Cowboys, 52-38 uh, victors in this one. Kent State did have a halftime lead in this one, but as is the story with many Kent State games, the defense just could not hold up. Uh, Kent State, again, they were up 24-21 at halftime in this one before getting outscored. Uh, 31 to 14 in the second half. Kent State with 656 yards of total offense in this game, including 319 on the ground, six yards a carry. Wasn't enough, though. Dustin Crum, 17 for 27, 316 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Wyoming quarterback, though, Levi Williams, nine for 11, 127, and a touchdown himself. Four touchdowns on the ground for Levi Williams, uh, the, the dual threat quarterback from the Cowboys. 200 rushing yards, four touchdowns, 411 rushing yards total for Wyoming in this game. Six rushing touchdowns, 7.8 yards per carry. 
Vansy, it seems like the same story with, with Kent State. We've seen this script before. Their offense is incredible. They're going to put up points in bunches, but they just can't stop anybody, and it, it continues to come back and bite them every week, it seems like. Yeah, other than the Miami, uh, Miami game, they didn't win a big game all year. And they were kind of the darlings of the Mac. I mean, you know, their non-conference schedule, albeit tough, they really didn't show anything. And then they were kind of, you know, they did good in conference play. But again, just no defense. They didn't win a big game all year. Um, a talented group. And again, we're talking about expectations. You know, a season like that in Toledo or, you know, in, in some of these other Mac places, it's like, well, this is, you know, not what we wanted. But in Kent, Ohio, that's a, you know, impressive season making a bowl game and all that. So you talk about expectations and the effect that that has. Uh, it really felt like this was just a missed opportunity for Kent Kent State. They, uh, you know, they, they had a chance to win that game, just couldn't get the stops. Um, probably their best team. I know the Dree Archer error would maybe argue, but uh, this was probably their best chance for a special season there. And they come out of it not even winning a MAC title. You know, they do win a division title, but they don't get the MAC and, and they don't win a bowl game and, you know, kind of a pedestrian overall record. Uh, it definitely felt like a winnable game, you know, and, and blue turf and Wyoming's a solid program out there, uh, you know, but it was a winnable game. Yeah, it really was. And, man, I think if I'm, you know, if I'm Sean Lewis, I'm, I'm taking a long, hard look at my defense this offseason in, in Kent there because, you have the offense, you have the firepower to compete with anybody that's, that's been proven. That's been shown. And the defense this year though, just once again, they, they've just, you know, they had a good start to the season and they really, they really just regressed quite hard. And so um, obviously let go of their defensive coordinator there at the end of the year, they've been operating with an interim defensive coordinator for the last couple last month or so. And so I'll be curious to see what, what they do there, if they end up elevating the, the interim DC permanently, or if they go out outside of the, the current staff to do that. But I mean, man, the, defensively, again, the metrics here, just not good at all. You finish the season 122nd in total defense, 123rd in pass defense, 110th in rushing defense. Again, you gave up 411 yards to Wyoming in this game. You cut, you came into this game and you knew that's what Wyoming was going to do. They're 29th in the country in, in rushing offense and 116th in passing offense. So it's not like this was a, 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 um, a, a surprise from a game plan perspective for Kent State. They just, the tack, they can't tackle. The scheme doesn't seem solid. You got guys running open in the secondary all the time. Guys can't fill gaps, can't make a tackle at the line of scrimmage. It's, it's tough and to, to watch Kent State play defense sometimes. And similar to what I was saying about Northern Illinois, uh, Vansy, if they can figure out the defensive side of the ball, you know, you got a young quarterback in Colin Schley who's come in in, uh, in garbage time a couple times this year, seems to be uh, in the very much in the same mold as Dustin Crum. I feel like offensively, there's not going to be a ton of drop off for them next year if they're if they can keep their offensive line healthy, because you're going to have a young quarterback stepping in. Marquez Cooper's coming back. Brian Bradford's coming back. Dante Sivas, your leading receivers coming back. A lot of uh, weapons on offense still. But man, this defense, they have to figure something out if they want to be taken seriously as a contender in the Mac fancy, because as you said, they were kind of the darlings of the Mac this year. Uh, you know, pick to win the East, which they did win the East, but I still would think if you ask Ooh. most, uh, you know, most, um, most Mac fans this year, what their, you know, expectations for Kent state, I don't know if Kent state would have met those expectations. Yeah. Like I said, a pedestrian record, they barely, uh, you know, won the division when I think a lot of people thought they're going to win it rather handedly. And I think when you look at them, it becomes a big question of, where do they go next? Are they okay with seven, six wins? Or do they keep moving forward to get to that point where they're actually competing more, uh, you know, for the MAC title? And I think they need to get in transfer portal. They need to find some veteran defensive players to kind of patch that up quickly. Uh, the other thing to note, you know, Akron fans probably don't have a lot of reason to listen to this bull talk, but Kent State's no longer on scholarship out there in Northeast Ohio. Joe, Joe Moorhead coming into Akron just yes. down the road from Kent, that team's going to be improving. It might be too big of a step next year, but two, three years down the road, that's going to be a team that you're going to have to watch out for and respect. So Kent State, their next step to kind of, you know, shift that tide from a, a, what's going to be a gaining Akron uh, will be interesting. Totally agree with that. Certainly uh, cer certainly something for Kent State fans to, to keep their eye on here over the next couple of years is what Joe Moorhead's able to do just down the road there at Akron. Moving on, Vansy, to our next game here. We got the Frisco Football Classic, the first ever iteration of it. 
the Miami Redhawks went down to Texas, knocked off the North Texas Mean Green out of Conference USA, 27 to 14. This game, I think, was only like 20 miles from North Texas's campus. So basically a home game for the Mean Green, but didn't matter for uh, Miami. Went down and actually got the max first bowl win of the bowl season. Again, 27 to 14. Brett Gabbard, 22 of 31, 230 yards and two touchdowns in this one. Running back Kenny Tracy, nice game for him. 14 carries, 92 yards, and a touchdown there. Jack Sorensen, seven carries for 116 yards in this one. He finishes the season with 1,406 receiving yards and goes into the offseason now having topped 100 yards in seven of his last eight games. I think the, the star of the show here, though, Vansy, for me, was this Miami rushing defense. North Texas entered this game third in the FBS in rushing offense, averaging over 245 yards per game. Miami held them 32 carries, 89 yards, 2.8 yards per carry. That's the story to me in this one, Vansy. Not a ton of offense in this game. Wasn't quite as high scoring as some of our other shootouts that we had. But uh, Miami with a really nice performance down here, going down to Texas and picking up their seventh win. Yeah, and I, I don't, you know, I mean, at that point, the Mac had not won a bowl game. So I don't think we really would have expected, hey, Miami's going to get the Mac their first bowl win, but it kind of shifted that narrative a little bit. What was looking to be a terrible bowl season for the Mac. Uh, Chuck Martin, just solid. You know, just always seems like Miami here recently um, is in that mix. Uh, you know, they started slow. They got hot late in the season. They were just a couple of plays away from going to Detroit and playing for a MAC championship. Jack Sorenston, probably, I would say, the MAC receiver of the year. I think he was probably, you know, probably, probably would be my pick. Um, so they have some guys there. I thought North Texas was a tough draw, again, close to home. Um, any college football team from Texas, you know, they're supported well. Uh, so that's an impressive win, you know, and, and I think you got to feel very proud about Miami of Ohio. They're kind of becoming that team that every year, you know, you just can't put them in the bottom of, the, of their division. You're going to put them up towards the top and, and uh, Chuck Martin's done a good job. Yeah, he really has. And uh, Miami now uh, enters into the offseason seven and six. This is another team, a uh, lot of talent coming back next year. I'll be, you know, I know you're going to lose Jack Sorensen. He's been around for a long time. But, uh, Brett, you know, Brett Gabbard, only a sophomore eligibility. Kenny Tracy, Kayon Mosey, uh, you know, Kevin Davis in the backfield. A lot of guys coming back potentially for the Red Hawks next year. Although, to your point, in terms of the, you know, the transfer portal and, and all that stuff, you never know what's going to happen here nowadays. It seems like, you know, to your point a couple minutes ago, Vansy, a lot of these guys, they come in, they perform well in a conference like the MAC or the Sun Belt, and they decide they want to transfer out and get better, you know, play against, quote-unquote, better competition. So we'll see what happens here. Miami, uh, any of these MAC teams, certainly uh, that's something that could happen to them. But a good look for Miami at, going into the, uh, the offseason with a win down in Frisco, 27-14. to 14, The Red Hawks knock off the mean green there. Next up on Christmas Day, Vansy, our first Christmas Day bowl game in a long time. The MAC was uh, represented, Ball State, the, the team lucky enough to, to get the uh, – Christmas Day calling card down in Montgomery, taking on Georgia State in the Tax Act Camellia Bowl. And uh, Vansy, this one was kind of felt similar to the, the, the Liberty Eastern Michigan game to me. Ball State, uh, you know, they hung around for a little bit here. But, man, Georgia State just kind of overpowered them with that running attack and wasn't a great performance from the Cardinals on Christmas Day. Yeah, I, I thought that was a tough draw for Ball State. Uh, you know, you got the the Southern, you know, the Southern schools with their speed and size. It, it just sometimes feels like a mismatch, and that's what it looked like here, like you were saying. Uh, that's that's a program on the rise out of Atlanta, uh, Georgia State, with their coach yeah. there. Um, they're really turning it around. They play at the old Turner, Turner Field. They really have made that a marvelous venue. Um, you know, it, it, one of the things that's interesting – is this was a big showing for Ball State in the fact that over a million people viewed this game on Christmas Day. So that's great yeah. for their their brand and, and probably not the representation that they wanted. But, hey, you got it on national TV and a lot of people saw you. Not a good performance. Um, Ball State was kind of one of those teams from the MAC this year, defending champion. I think you got to say it's a disappointing season. Uh, they never really, you know, seem to put it all together, kind of a step back this year overall. And I just think when you look at it, I mean, they got to be a little bit disappointed with that season there in Muncie. I think they expected more. Um, it looked like they had turned a corner as a program and now they're, you know, they're kind of, you know, they, it just felt like they were just there this season. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Vansy. I think Ball State to me, 
along with Buffalo, probably the two, uh, two, the most kind of, you know, disappointing teams or, or, uh, you know, teams that I, I felt were, were going to have better seasons this year. You know, I look at ball state. I think the story in this one was, was the defense. I mean, Georgia state, 41 carries, 259 yards on the ground here, 6.3 yards per carry. But, man, offensively for Ball State, Vancey, they uh, they just never seemed right this season on offense. And you look at this game here, I mean, Drew Plitt, 27 of 46, 293 and a touchdown. But on the ground, I mean, 35 carries for 74 yards, only 2.1 yards per carry. Uh, you know, Carson Steele at 15 for 62, so, you know, right around four a carry. So that that's not terrible. But, I mean, you just look offensively. All year offensively for Ball State. I mean, they're, you know, 110th in the country in total offense, 91st in the Russia offense, 93rd in uh, in passing offense. Just, you know, they, they struggled all year to generate anything offensively. And then in this game, you know, you don't have Justin Hall playing, so that hurts, hurts offensively. And defensively, you know, their, their, their issues don't rise to quite the level of Kent State or Akron. But, man, so many missed tackles in this game. And with so many, you know, with how good Ball State's linebacking core is, with Jalen Thomas and Christian Allwright and, and, you know, Brandon Martin and some of these other guys, I just, I, I was a little bit disappointed by the Ball State's all-around performance this year, but especially defensively against a team like Georgia State, who I agree with you, Vansy. This is certainly a program on the rise, you know, coming out of Atlanta, maybe the best high school football city in the country. Uh, you're right in the middle of a recruiting hotbed there. So I, I, I still, you know, if I'm Ball State, I know they finished six and seven, probably not what a lot of Ball State fans were hoping for this season. But, you know, you this is another team traditionally, you look at Ball State, Vansy, and this is not a team that has a ton of sustained success. So I think back-to-back -back bowl games for the Cardinals here over the last two years, especially with last year having been a MAC championship, I still think Ball State fans will take that. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think before last season, there was a lot of frustrations with the head coach. Um, you know, and, yeah. and I mean, their offensive struggles are surprising because Drew Plitt is a pretty good quarterback, and he was a, co a coach, uh, Mike Newell, who was uh, the coach position coach for Drew Brees in the NFL. You know, so that's kind of surprising that they've had the offensive struggles. But I think when you buy, when you win a MAC championship, even in a COVID year, uh, that really changes the narrative, and that's going to buy you some time, especially when you're an alumnus of the school. So yeah, I, I think they they don't seem too up in arms there in Muncie, from what I've seen on Twitter. Uh, they they seem to be fairly all right in in their lot in life right now. I do think this is one of those programs where I kind of look at it. And I think, man, if they just get a couple transfers from the transfer portal, you know, and it's yeah. almost like talking about the NFL and if they sign a, a guy for this or this, but, you know, if they get a couple of college football free agents, basically, you know, this is a team that next year could kind of be right in the mix of it, um, you know, maybe unexpectedly. Totally agree. Yeah. I think this is going to be a very important off season for coach new, uh, given that, you know, a lot of the, the players that made up that class, I believe it was the 2017 class that have, you know, brought the, the MAC championship last year. You got Drew Plitz leaving now, Justin Hall is leaving, Caleb Huntley left last year. So a lot of those guys are starting to cycle out of the program. So going to be very interesting to see how Mike New is able to reload there in Muncie. Last bowl game to get to here today, Vanzi. Western Michigan went to the Quick Lane Bowl on Monday, taking off the, on Nevada out of the Mountain West. The first ever meeting between these two programs. Nevada, with a number of, of opt-outs, you had Carson Strong, uh, their, their quarterback who was uh, passed for 4,000 yards this year. He opted out, had a number of wide receivers opted out, and a number of defenders that opted out. Their head coach, Jay Norvell, uh, left a couple weeks ago, went to Colorado State. He brought his offensive and defensive coordinators with him. I say all of that to say Nevada was a team that came into this game as kind of a, a shell of them for their former selves, and it showed in this one. Western Michigan dominated every aspect of this game. 52-24, to 24, the Broncos uh, end up uh, winning this one at, at uh, Ford Field on Monday. 514 to 242, the Broncos outgained the Wolfpack. LLB, 162 passing yards, two touchdowns. The star of the game here, though, for me was the, the Western Michigan rushing attack, James. Or, excuse me, uh, Vanzi. 52 carries, 352 yards on the ground, four rushing touchdowns. Jackson Kincaid, former Nevada uh, Wolfpack member, before transferring to Western Michigan, 17 carries, 105 yards, two touchdowns against his former team. Vansy, I know uh, Nevada's roster was quite depleted in this one, but still was a very nice dominating defensive or just overall performance from the Broncos. What you would have hoped to see if you're a Western Michigan fan here. 
Yeah, and you you mentioned uh, Kincaid, and uh, you know, COVID is terrible. It's it's obviously bad, very bad. Uh, Ladarius Jefferson was out with uh, COVID-related absence for Western Michigan, so Kincaid actually got more of a chance to play against his former team, and he had probably his best game of the season. Um, you know, so I guess if there's one good thing to come from COVID, it's a guy getting a chance to go against his former team, his former coaches, guys that he was probably in study hall with and kind of a cool moment there. Um, Western Michigan, I mean, you know, you got to look at Nevada. They, they, their head coach even opted out. Everybody was gone. Um, you know, that's a good program down there the last couple of years. I would have liked to have seen their, their quarterback, their normal quarterback, instead of the NCAA creative player from the video games, the six, nine guy. Um, I thought Nevada would still have more talent than that, but Western Michigan uh, really just destroyed him. Uh, big win for Tim Lester. He really needed that. Uh, he struggled against Eastern and Central, and you just can't have that um, out there in Kalamazoo. Uh, you know, so a good win for them. Ellerby played well. Sean Tyler had a phenomenal day, probably the, the performance of the Mac Bowl season there for him. Um, Lou Esposito's defense, I think, showed some things. I think he could be a guy, uh, you know, that, that another good season. You start talking about him at about a potential head coaching job at some level. Uh, so a good win for Western Michigan, even if uh, Nevada didn't have a lot of their guys. And I do want to point this out. I was curious. And I was looking and uh, I was watching a Peach Bowl last night. And what's interesting is Western Michigan opens next season at Michigan State. The Peach Bowl champions, Michigan State at Michigan State. That'll be an interesting one. And then Western Michigan returns to Waldo Stadium and hosts the Peach Bowl runner-up, Pitt Panthers, who they beat at Pitt this last year. So that's going to be a very interesting one. Um, could be a very interesting season next year for Western yeah. Michigan with those two big games right off of the bat, already looking ahead uh, to next year. Wow. Yeah. That is an interesting start to the season next year for the Broncos, especially you think about, you know, Western or excuse me, you think about Michigan state and Pitt, two teams there that are going to be in a, in a little bit of a transition next year as well, having to replace some, some serious uh, players on both offenses. So, wow. Yeah. Interesting. That could be a, a, a great start to the season. If, uh, if they can live up to expectations next year for the Broncos. So Vansy, uh, we're not going to talk about the sun bowl just yet. I know that that one's going on here today. We can cover that at a later date. But through seven bowl games thus far, before we move on to basketball here, just wanted to kind of get your general impressions of bowl season, how you feel like the MAC has performed, and uh, what, what you've thought overall about what you've seen from the MAC over the course of the last couple of weeks. Well, it's been average. You know, I think you uh, would have liked to have seen more. There were some NIU should have won, Toledo could have won, Kent State could have won. You know, probably would have liked to have seen those games turn out different. Um, most conferences, the bigger conferences, I wouldn't really care too much about the bowl games, but the bowl games are very important to a conference like the Mac and some of these smaller conferences. So I think you would like to see, uh, those results change. Um, you know, now it's a chance for a good showing from central Michigan here today, getting ready to kick off against uh, Washington state. That might be, uh, you know, that could really help change the narrative as well, but I think you would have liked to have seen more um you know from the conference in, in these bowl games um you know it, it, but it is what it is at this point I mean the bowl games are tough because you get a draw and it may not all best draw for you totally agree yeah totally agree with you Vance. would have loved to see the Mac get a pull a winning record out here in the bowl games does not uh, appear that it was meant to be this year so hopefully and, we can get, we can get oh, the, real quick uh, well, yeah the, the Mac is better than the SEC right now that's that is exactly right. So hey, Print I'll take that. Yeah, <laughs> it just means more up here. You know, it just means more here. <laughs> a better anyway, brand of football. Better brand of football. That's it. That's exactly right. So that'll wrap up our bowl game uh, coverage here for this season, folks. Uh, we're gonna be back here. Take a quick commercial break. We'll be back right on the other side of the break here. Talk a little bit of uh, MAC basketball here, men's and women's hoops over the last week or so. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, folks, welcome back to the show after the commercial break. Going to wrap up the show here, talk a little bit of hoops this week, the week in basketball. It was the start of conference play in men's and women's hoops this week. However, I think this one here is going to be a little bit brief, Vansy, because one of the main themes of the first week of conference play in the MAC is that it has been the coronavirus is back. We've had some postponements. Uh, what, three, three men's games got postponed over the course of Tuesday and Wednesday this week, two women's games as well. Ballistra, or excuse me, four women's games. You know, only two women's games got played. Let's talk a little bit about what we've seen here so far, Vansy. We'll start on the men's side of the fence. We had three games uh, took place here on uh, on Wednesday. Miami with the 91-81 win at Buffalo. Central Michigan with a 72-69 win at Kent State. And then Toledo with the 83-56 win at home over Western Michigan. A couple of really interesting results there, Vansy. Yeah, really interesting results. And again, the disclaimer that, you know, even though these games are played, we don't know who, what teams have depleted depth because of the, the ongoing yeah. pandemic. But definitely some interesting results. Miami's been kind of a team that's been surprising this year. Uh, you know, they've been in some games, you know, the record isn't that great, but beating Buffalo, who I thought coming into it would be one of the top teams in conference play um, is surprising. Um, Central Michigan over Kent State. Kent State hasn't been great, but Central Michigan has been terrible. So that to me just means, you know, non-conference really maybe meant absolutely nothing at this point. Um, and then Toledo routed Western and, and Western, what are you, the gray uniforms? Oh my gosh. You know, I know you're going through a logo change, but I, it just, it looked terrible. I mean, it was, I mean, Toledo should have blown them out on, on fashion points alone. I, you know, <laughs> I watched a little bit of that cause there was nothing outside and that was really bad. Um, but, you know, yeah, some interesting results. Could, you know, I thought Kent State would beat Central. I thought Buffalo would beat Miami. Um, again, you're talking about COVID and, you know, you we last week or, you know, when we talked about the games coming up, you know, we had some games that we we're excited for and we didn't get to see those, you know. And so it's kind of, uh, you know, if, if I had to give you a Mac power ranking for basketball, number one, COVID, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's winning all these games right now. And can't help but be a little depressed and you feel for the student athletes and uh you know it's it's tough yeah i i totally agree with you and uh we had ball state northern illinois akron bowling green eastern michigan and ohio all postponed this week so we're waiting to hear from the mac when those games are going to be rescheduled especially you know that akron bowling green game Vansy. i know we talked about that last week being kind of like a show me game of two teams that we still had some questions about wanted to see how they were able to perform but i gotta be honest Vansy. um it, i'm I, I know Buffalo was uh, picked to win the conference at the beginning of the year. And, and I know I said last week that I still wasn't panicking for them quite yet. I, I might be starting to hit the panic button here. You, you lose your home opener, your Mac, your conference opener at home to Miami. And I mean, this is a team Vansy, where you look at your, your, your main guys for Buffalo in this game. They all played well. Josh and Balla, 26 points, 17 rebounds. Jonathan Williams, 7 for 16 from the field, 20 points, 5 rebounds. Ronaldo Segu, also 7 for 16 from the field, 21 points, 7 assists, only 2 turnovers in this game. Your two big men and your, uh, your starting point guard all play really well in this game. You as a team... Though you only shoot 38% from the field, 26% from three point land, 59% from the line. You lose this game by 10 points. You missed 13 free throws. I'm starting to get a little bit worried about Buffalo. Really nice win though for, for coach Jack Owens and the Red Hawks. Uh, Makai Larry was fantastic. Four for five from three point land. He led all scorers with 28 there. So really impressed with what I saw from Miami. And then you mentioned central Michigan as well. 
I'm, I'm starting to get to the point now, Vansy, where I'm selling all my stock in Kent State. I, I don't like what I'm seeing from the Golden Flashes right now. And, you know, you look at this game, and once again, 32% from the field. Similar story to Buffalo, 32% from the field, 17% from three. They were six for 34 from three-point land in this game. Sincere Carey, the highly regarded Duquesne transfer, he was two for 13 from uh, three-point land himself. So I, I look at Central Michigan, really encouraging win, really nice win for them. Uh, I'm happy for, for that program. But I see, you know, Buffalo and Kent State right now, Vansy, a lot to figure out for both of those programs. Yeah, you mentioned the panic button. And if I'm in Buffalo or if I'm in Kent State, I'm smashing that button down. It's not looking, uh, you know, like the seasons they would have expected there. I think the warning signs were there with Kent State and we kind of glossed over them, you know, transfers and relying on them. You never really know how those yeah. pieces are all going to fit uh, or whatnot. And then I think if you just look at the college basketball landscape as a whole, um, COVID rearing its ugly head, game cancellation, who knows who's going to play what games. Um, every loss becomes magnified right now. And I think coming down the stretch, if cases keep going the way they're going, it sounds so, it's so annoying to have to say this, but if cases keep going the way that they're going, you know, this could be a year for a team that nobody really expected to just stay safe, play some games, eke out some wins, you know, and some things, and, and maybe be looking at a MAC championship or potential NCAA tournament bid. So it just seems like every time you can get on the court, it could just potentially mean more right now. Totally agree. Totally agree. You got it. Can't, uh, can't let those opportunities, AKA games slip through your fingers at this point with, you know, you don't know how many opportunities you're going to get. Let's look briefly here, Vancy at the, the schedule coming up this week. Got games, Mac games scheduled uh, on the men's side for Saturday and this coming Tuesday. One game on Saturday already has been postponed, the Buffalo-Eastern Michigan game. Eastern Michigan with some COVID issues coming through uh, their program right now. Um, so uh, because of that, so on Saturday, we got five games scheduled here. Uh, Vanzi, we got Toledo taking on Kent State, Central Michigan traveling to Miami, Ohio to Western Michigan, Bowling Green to Ball State, and Buffalo, since their game against Eastern Michigan was postponed, uh, they're going to travel down to Akron to take on the Zips instead. So th that's the Saturday schedule. Then on Tuesday, Eastern Michigan will uh, supposedly be able to finally open their season, traveling to Kalamazoo to take on Western Michigan, Ohio traveling down to Akron, Toledo ta traveling to Mount Pleasant to take on the Chippewas, Miami Bowling Green, Kent State Ball State, and then Buffalo Northern Illinois also on Tuesday. Vansy, any matchups here over the next week on the men's side of things that you have circled? Oh, uh, yeah, real quick. I, I'm not optimistic about that EMU Western Michigan game being played uh, from yeah. what I've heard. Um, I'm, you know, we'll see if there's a, an announcement anytime soon, but I've not heard good things about that one happening. Um, you know, Miami of Ohio BGSU, if that game can go on, or I should say Miami University BGSU, uh, if that game goes on, could be a, kind of a statement game for both of those teams, Miami with the, the surprising win um, against Buffalo and Bowling Green. Um, before some COVID stoppage and all that uh, was kind of hitting its stride and looked like a hot team. Um, so I would definitely uh, circle that one potentially as kind of a statement game for them um, and kind of find out some things. Um, again, we'll see what happens. We'll see what games we get, um, you know, New Year's in the play here and, and we'll see. But uh, Jones and for some more Mac hoops and, you know, would like to start getting a clearer picture who's who in the conference. Yeah, totally agree. I think Miami is the team I have my eye on here over the next week or so. You got Central Michigan coming in uh, to Oxford on Saturday. And then, as you mentioned, that game at Bowling Green on Tuesday could be a big one for the Red Hawks, especially if they can knock off Central Michigan, go into that game with a 2-0 record. So um, as, as we mentioned, you know, a bunch of games canceled this week on the men's side of things. So um, not quite as much to discuss as we would have liked, but we'll keep an eye on this moving forward, obviously. As, uh, as the season progresses and as conference play starts to pick up. Let's look on the women's side here uh, quickly, Vansy. Similar, uh, similar story. We had the conference season open this past week. In this, uh, on this side of the fence, though, on women's, only two games played. Only two of the scheduled six games uh, got played this week. Toledo with a 69-60 victory over Kent State and Buffalo with a 92-75 win over Central Michigan. Other than that, though, Akron at Northern Illinois, Western, Mich Western Michigan at Ball State, Ohio, Miami, and Bowling Green at Eastern Michigan all postponed this past week, unfortunately. So 
Fancy, not a much, much has changed on the women's side of things since the last time we talked, other than, again, Buffalo and Toledo starting off with uh, 1-0 and uh, performances in conference play. Buffalo, especially with, uh, you know, Diasha Fair, always gives you a lot to worry about. Hemphill as well. She had 28 points in this one for the Bulls, uh, 11 for 18 from the field. They're now 7-4, and 1-0 and overall. So Buffalo and Toledo both 1-0 and uh, sitting atop the conference right now, Vanzi. Not much else has changed for us since the last time we talked, though. Anything else, any other storylines on the women's side of the things uh, that you wanted to cover? Well, I think the, the two results we got this week uh, were interesting. You know, Toledo, usually a very strong, you know, program down there. Uh, looked, you know, a little bit down. Well, Kent State looked really, really good in non-conference play. Yeah. And Toledo beats Kent, uh, who looked like the max best chance to have a, a women's team ranked by virtue of some of their non-conference victories. Uh, and then Buffalo over Central Michigan. I mean, Buffalo's a very good women's basketball team, um, but it's more surprising for Central Michigan. You yeah. know, because that's a program that usually, I mean, it was a fairly easily won game for Buffalo. Central Michigan's usually in the thick of things uh, on this side of the, the gender ledger. And they just, you know, they, they haven't looked good this year. And then, uh, you know, they're losing to Buffalo. So I think, you know, you're seeing uh, probably Central Michigan's a little down uh, while Buffalo looks, you know, I, I would say now they're, they're the class of the MAC, um, probably over Kent State. Um, Western's had a good run too. Uh, but they they have uh, COVID stoppages coming into play there with their schedule. So um, tough to get a full read on them. I think, you know, Vansy, the biggest surprise to me in women's hoops right now is is Central Michigan, for sure. I mean, I think this is a team, you take away the 2019-2020 season when they're, you know, the NCAA tournament got um, got you know canceled, but this is a team that's made the the last three NCAA tournaments. Other than that, that includes 2017, 2018 when they went to the Sweet 16. All of a sudden, you see them two and eight, zero oh and one in the conference. Molly Davis doing everything she can to keep this team relevant, but man, just not a lot of help there. And looks like it might be a long season up in Mount Pleasant for the the women's team. And you mentioned Kent State as well. That's a great point you make about you know that loss to Toledo, especially that being a home game for Kent State coming off of a couple of really nice victories in the non-conference season, knocking off Penn State, knocking off UCLA, knocking off Duquesne, knocking off St. Bonaventure. A lot of good programs on that list. So to see Kent State uh, lose their MAC opener at home, uh, certainly not something that I expected uh, from, from the Golden Flashes. Close things out here, Vansy. Let's take a look at the week ahead in women's hoops. Got uh, a, a number of games taking place both this weekend and on Wednesday as well on the women's side of things. No postponements announced just yet for the MAC in basketball here. Uh, but on Saturday, we got Northern Illinois, Central Michigan, Kent State, Western Michigan, Buffalo, Miami, Ball State, Bowling Green, and then Akron and Toledo. On the, and then on, uh, on Wednesday, we got Western and Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan and Toledo, Ball State, Northern Illinois, Ohio and Akron, Miami, Kent State, and Buffalo and Bowling Green here. Some interesting matchups taking place over the next week, Vansy. Anything that uh, highlights anything at the top of the list for you? Yeah, and, uh, you know, sh should they happen? But um, right now I would say probably Western Michigan against Central Michigan. You talk about Central Michigan being down. Uh, Western looks like they're up this year. Um, you know, looks like they could be having a pretty solid season out there in Kalamazoo. So to play Central Michigan, if they can beat Central Michigan, really kind of um, shores up what we th what we're thinking about kind of the the standings here in the MAC. Um, you know, from the eye test standpoint. So I think you know Western Central. That's probably a big game, a rivalry game at that. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Certainly. And you, you, I, I love what you're saying about Western Michigan. I think another one that's interesting to me is uh, on this Saturday slate. I want to see how Kent State bounces back. They're taking on Western Michigan, traveling up to Kalamazoo on Saturday. want to see how they're able to bounce back after that uh, opening loss to Toledo to open up conference play for the Golden Flashes, who, uh, again, they sit at 8-2 and two overall, 0-1 in the MAC, taking on the Broncos up at University Arena in Kalamazoo at 1 o'clock on Saturday. That'll be the opener for the Broncos. That'll do it here for us this week on the Bandwagon Podcast, folks. Thank you, as always, for stopping in. Vansy, got to ask, what's the New Year's plans for you? Is it, are you, keep, you know, keeping it low-key this week, uh, this year, going out, doing anything, anything, any plans, anything going on? What's, uh, what's on your agenda here today? 
Well, you know, uh, as an EMU alum, I'm an Eastern Michigan Eagle, um, you know, by by choice, but I was kind of born into being a Michigan Wolverine fan. I was born in the U of M hospital. I lived just down the road from Ann Arbor. Um, So, you know, me and my family were big fans. Oh, blue day, uh, hoping they beat Georgia. You know, uh, at least I'm keeping it in the Midwest footprint and, uh, you know, yeah. go blue, beat Georgia, going to enjoy that. Uh, spend some time with my dad watching the games and, uh, you know, pretty low-key New Year's. You know, I'm, I'm not, in, not in college anymore. I don't think I could go out. And uh, I don't want to start off the new year with a, with a shot of fireball like I used to. I just can't, can't do it no more. I, I totally agree with you, man. Totally agree. Totally on board with the low-key New Year's have all the games here today got the the semifinals rolling right into all the new year's day games tomorrow so i'm looking forward to that everyone out there thank you for stopping by and listening to this us this week have a happy healthy safe new year uh we appreciate all your support throughout the 2021 year looking forward to doing it again with you here coming up in 2022 for vansy i am zach folidor this has been episode 77 of the mac bandwagon thanks as always for stopping by this week and we'll talk to you again next week folks